What's the close? What's your finale? My finale is probably the biggest effect with the smallest prop, other than mm-hmm. a body, like other than doing a flip over people. Right. Um, I think it's the biggest bang for buck out there. It mm-hmm. is a trick called the Frodo, um, aptly named after the Lord of the Rings scene right. in which Frodo's ring lands on his finger. Right. I just I, I pitch it the whole show about how I'm going to show him a world record breaking stunt. Um, and I th- throw my ring about 25, 30 feet in the air and I catch it on my index finger. Um, <coughs> and wow. everybody asks what, like, what's your favorite trick? And I have to like explain that it's a stunt more than anything. <laughs> um, and it, it's great having a trick that nobody actually believes. Like, even as they're seeing it, they still, I, I, I feel like a half or a quarter of people walk away convinced that I did something. Trickery. Did something, something sneaky to it. Um, and the reality is much more sad than that. <laughs> <laughs> They're guys. They do magic. They are the magic guys. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Look. Uh, beautiful. That was magical. Thank you. Episode 81. Jason has caught the flu. It was his birthday yesterday, so feel free to spam him with messages on his Instagram. The flu. The flu. <laughs> I hope you're not, not real sick, Jason, but happy birthday, bro. I hope you had a good time yesterday. Yeah, the, the post-birthday cold. We all get one, you know. How are you doing, Doug? How are you over there? You know, I'm settling back into the office after moving and shaking, took my wife out for a week. We had a great time, and now I'm adjusting to whatever version of reality I've created here. So I'm fine, <laughs> to, to make a long story short. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well, man. It's good to have you back. I, I you. quickly, I ducked over to Sydney and caught up with Jason, and uh, our friends in the comments would have seen our videos. We both filmed each other, and uh, it was very, very cold. And we went out and did some street magic. Is it cold there now? What is yeah, cold? Like, is it like? I wish I could do the. It was like uh, eight degrees Celsius for us, which mm-hmm. is it's the cold where you can see your own breath when you're yeah, breathing. That's too cold. The hands are slowing down a little um, at that point, but you know we wanted to get some content, and we did. Cool. Uh, so that was the main thing. Did you guys post? Oh, you did. did I don't know. I haven't seen anything online. So there's yeah. there's video online of this happening. Yeah, we both yeah we both put up a video each of okay. uh, doing some magic out there. Just you know, a bit of street magic. Nothing nothing super crazy, but just people having a good time watching and and uh, it was really fun. I'll really check fun. it out. Yeah. I had my nose to the grindstone today. I made a video and I posted it, and then I hated it, so I deleted it. So today my day was like working, and then it was just experimental work for no. You know, it just does happen. It happened I'm today. With you. Hey, Doug. Oh, I haven't shown you this, Doug. Check out this. Yeah, uh, hang on. Let me, let me just take a little sip for a second. Oh, oh, uh oh. This is fancy. Yeah, we got the. I uh, like that. I'm on the merch. You're on the merch, baby. Oh, man, that is I'm, a fantastic mug. I have to send. Have to get one of those. <clears throat> I'll send you one. I'll send you one. I, I don't think you have one of the uh, the hoodies either. But, I don't. Um, Am I cool we'll enough to wear a hoodie? Is there an think, age gap for that? I mean, do, do I qualify? I think you qualify, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will have I'm to send one to you. And, 
I have to send one to your lady Erin as well. What? I reckon. She would wear it. If she'll wear it, that's it. Is, yeah. We have pink ones, right? Is there a pink one? There is. Um, yeah. What What are right. the colors? Yeah. Well, it's, I, I it. would like the pink one for me. And then you can send Aaron whatever you want. Sweet. Sounds good. <clears throat> so, Doug, you introduced me to our guest that we have coming on today. Originally, you're like, you need to check out this guy. He does beatboxing with his magic, right. which is something I was right. getting into. And you're like, and he does acrobatics in his magic. And uh, this guy, I feel like he's a kindred spirit to me in that sense. Mm-hmm. But for you, he's a kindred spirit because he's uh, one of the, you know, one of the top busking guys that that you hear about uh, traveling the world performing. Uh, I've watched this guy blossom. I mean, I, let's bring him on. Hey, Nico, Leo, come. Get, is there an intro for this? Let's do the Let's intro. bring him on. All let's right. do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Nico Leo. Hello. What's up, guys? Good to see you, Nico. Yeah. Let me, see you guys. let me say, I, I do remember talking about you with Josh, you know, with your interests. And and then today I, I wake up to find out you're on the show today. Like, I don't know how that happened. But <laughs> how did that even happen? But what a great idea to get you on here and welcome to the Magic Guys. Yeah, you spoke it into being. There you go. Abracadabra. It needed to be, yeah. 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 Whenever and whenever someone has a mic and uh, camera as beautiful as yours, they must yeah. be on the podcast. Plus, this you're is, easy on the eyes, you know. I, I literally That's figured true. out how to do this webcast with a DSLR um, about 45 minutes ago. I'm glad that all the pieces wow. came together. Yeah, that is not, not an easy task. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's worked out. Do you have a capture card? Are you going through a USB or what? USB. Um, nice. Nice. I, I'm on like a 2014 MacBook, so I didn't know if it was wow. going to work. But You have um, a Canon? Uh, yep. Yeah, that's why. You have a Canon. Hey. Well yeah. played. Yeah. You got all the gear, man. Yep. That this was is crazy. Yep. <clears throat> so, so as a – Josh, you might have had a story. I'm going to go back to the beginning because I was thinking into like when, when I first saw Nico, mm. what year did you show up in New Orleans? Um, with the intent of doing magic, 2012, January 2012. So I'm walking down Royal Street in 2012, and there's Nico, and here's his act at that time. I think it was just coin manipulation as you played the harmonica. Is that correct? Is that all you were doing? So you had one of the neck things? Yep. And you, harmonica and and music and magic. This was the beginning. And beatbox. And egg shakers in my socks. Was that happening too? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I was doing, trying to make uh, the music, the background music yeah. to, to the slights. But um, yeah. yeah, I was definitely doing close up for nobody. Was, did you, am I correct that you arrived during the Mardi Gras? Is that? Um, I arrived in January. So January. two months. Two okay. Months so before. Like, yeah. I guess it depends on the year. Yeah, I'll tell you this, dude. I didn't give you a chance. I'm like, yeah. well, there's another one that'll never make it with this harmonica and the coin magic. Well, ten, well, I, it was about, I don't know, wasn't long. I, I remember it was a couple, couple of three or four months later, Jimmy Talks a Lot comes up to me. He's like, man, you seen this guy Nico working? He's crushing it. I'm like, Nico with the harmonica and the coins? Like, yeah, man, this guy's killing it. Well, you figured it out quick. And, and uh, that's a process that, 
didn't really end. You like just not just figured it out, but managed to create a, a show that, in my opinion, transcended many street shows that I've seen. It's rare to see someone approach the the genre with a, such an original and heartfelt approach. And I don't want to blabber too much about it, but yeah, it's been a pleasure watching you grow and I'm happy to be here to talk about it. I'll shut up now. Yeah, I'm glad to be on. Your, your feedback and input along the way was definitely... Yeah, um, you, you did your booster. own thing, though. You, you, you just... Yeah, you, like you got you beatboxing and acrobatics. And we were talking before the show. I asked you if you planned to do it again. And you were saying, yeah, maybe I'll do something else. And, and, and as I said, it doesn't matter what you do because your show is really about bringing people together and having them appreciate that moment. And I don't know if you have a different mindset about your show, but for no. me, that was always a very special, uh, just a yeah. special happening. Yeah, no, I still plan on approaching it with that as the main goal, just scaling up my visibility a bit and having um, some more pieces I can plug in based on the circumstance. Uh, I was kind of topping out at like a large half circle show. Yeah. You you also basically work from the pockets too. You're That's not you. Yeah. You have zero furniture aside from you bring out the suitcase, which I guess had the amp in it and such. But you had zero big props. Yeah, the magician on a motorcycle part of the that being the beginning part of it definitely right. shaped me to be as light as possible. Would you talk about that? What is the magician on a motorcycle? What is that? <laughs> uh, so. Part of it, the plan was I trained street performers in New Orleans when there I was like a teenager. Um, that was the bike that I had. It's a dual sport, an on-road, off-road bike. So the plan was I was going to spend three months in New Orleans, see if I could learn how to street perform. If I could pull it off, then I would get a bike and I would try to see as much of the States and kind of start my life as a traveler um, in the, within the country. Um, doing street shows to make my way. And so I chose that kind of bike because you can camp on it. You can get your tent and your cooking gear and all that. And uh, it's just insane. Go in the cities and make gas money and then go out and see some mountains and waterfalls and streams. Um, Is that where the the name Ventura came from? Yeah. So when I started doing you know, kind of getting into a little more music and a little more acrobatics and just random other things. Um, or if I was abroad, like magician on a motorcycle, when I was traveling in Europe with a backpack, eh, uh, you know, I was, I was very specialized in that, having that as a name. And so um, as I got into doing more camera work, choose what uh, vlogging and things like what that. What cities was, to stop to perform? Sorry, that's my fault. That's a tech, you're good, you're good. tech issue. <laughs> um, as I started trying to make more content, um, the the main hypothesis or uh, ethos behind it was entertain to a, afford adventures and then share the adventures for entertainment. Which you did wonderfully. Your social media, the stuff that you produce, <clears throat> vid- your videos are amazing. The, the scenery you captured on these journeys, awesome. And just the story was wonderful. So, Thanks, man. Yeah. I wish I had these DSLRs and stuff when I was doing it. I did the whole yeah. thing on, on GoPros. So wow. <laughs> well, one-dimensional in, in that regard. 
Hey, Hopefully we have a you'll question return to that as well because you're yeah. good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of of the Ventura aspect and the motorcycle, we have a question from one of our viewers that uh, I think is pretty pertinent to that. So let me play this from uh, Bob Possible here. Nice. Hey, Magic guys, it's Bob Possible. Hey, Bob. No, oh, that was it. No, I forgot. I can't close <laughs> Possible. it. Long time caller, first time listener. I had a question for Nico. I was wondering, how do you choose what cities to stop to perform in? Do you just run out of gas and say, hey, this looks like a good spot? Or do you actually put in a little bit of research and make sure you need no permits or that you get the proper permits and find a good place that you know has foot traffic? Asking for a me. So to give so, context, Bob is about to start a venture of trying to perform in every state in the U.S. So I think that's why he's after some professional uh, advice there. Yeah, I think that's a, a great adventure to set out upon. Um, the way I approached it, uh, I should start by saying, like, the first few, I like, I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I only owned the motorcycle for two months before I left from Seattle to New Orleans. I didn't From know. Seattle to New Orleans mm. on a motorcycle. Yeah, like, that's about, really, that's about th- the size of Australia, driving across that on a motorcycle. It's insane. Wow. It's a trek, and I was trying to do it as slow as possible for this purpose, to see as many places as I yeah. could. Um, so it would start with like largely asking um, or just paying attention to other street performers where I had seen or heard there being pitches. Um, but like as far as running out of gas, that was part of it. If I could afford to go longer without performing and there wasn't like a major festival or something that I would be foolish to pass, then I would prioritize um, the adventure side of it. But um, if, did you use the internet as a resource? Is this like, is it, would you say that was helpful? Yeah, I would look up, try to see if I could find busking festivals or things that um, were open to buskers. There was a lot of just guerrilla pitching, like just set up and hope for the best. And and it can be the best. And when you find those cherry spots that no one mm. else knows about, right? And then you know where to go back to next trip. I'm seeing a couple of uh, big, big groups here, man. These are some of the pics on your Magician on a Motorcycle Instagram. Yeah, Nico, uh, sp- speak for a moment <clears throat> on how you close your show. What's the close? What's your finale? My finale is um, probably the biggest effect with the smallest prop, other than mm-hmm. a body, like other than doing a flip over people. Right. Um, I think it's the biggest bang for buck out there. It mm-hmm. is a trick called the Frodo, um, aptly named after the Lord of the Rings scene right. in which Frodo's ring lands on his finger. Right. Um. And I just, I, I pitch it the whole show about how I'm going to show him a world record breaking stunt. Um, and I th- throw my ring about 25, 30 feet in the air and I catch it on my index finger. Um, <coughs> and wow. everybody asks what, like, what's your favorite trick? And I have to like explain that it's a stunt more than anything. <laughs> um, and, it's great having a trick that nobody actually believes. Like even as they're seeing it, they still. I I, I feel like a half or a quarter of people walk away convinced that I did something trickery, something, something sneaky to it. 
Um, and the reality is much more sad than that. <laughs> I, I watched it evolve for years. I watched you throwing rings up into the air day after day. Yep, just sweating. It's it's a learned skill. And yeah. one that, I, I've started to see guys doing it just a couple feet. You know, they'll throw it up and they, they get a little distance. But mm. you're throwing it like 30 feet into the air, right? It's just like. It, yeah, it's a good second and a half, two seconds of hang again, time. When you think crazy. of drawing a crowd like we just saw in those pictures, and you think, what effect am I going to close with? It's going yeah. to show you. you got to have <laughs> a special thing going on to pick the smallest prop to close a moment like that. And Yeah, it, it did have some benefits and it did have some drawbacks, but mm-hmm. being able to, you know, like we were saying, the main goal for me was to bring people together and the yep. show yep. the show was very meta in that sense where mm-hmm. i would really draw a lot of attention to the fact that we were all having this spontaneous experience that um we were enjoying together uh so the ring being a small prop did accomplish being able to take a large spread out crowd and bring them in up close wow it's actually that's a smart technique because they have to come closer in order to see it happen. Yeah. That was also my, um, crowd draw. So I would, I would start and finish the show with the ring. Um, and the, like I had, I I had kind of, I I called it like an anti crowd build. Um, I would, so I've seen people bounce coins. You can bounce silver dollars if you hit them. Right. Jimmy talks a lot. Mm -hmm. The first guy Mm -hmm. I ever saw do it. Um, and my ring would work for that, but it had a yeah. real, real nice tone to it. And so um, I would stand around, set my rope down, just tied up in front of me and uh, bounce my ring. And one or two people would think that they dropped coins <laughs> or something. And then as soon as they were like, uh, whatever, and started to walk away, I would do it again. And kind of create this suspicion amongst all these people that something was going on, something weird was going on, but nobody could really tell what it was. And then I would just turn my mic on and address the fact that it seemed like something was going on. Yeah. That's your opening line. Wow. Right? That's so, yep. that's, and then tell everybody cool, to come up. It's such a cool, like delicate approach that just gets cute. people like, yeah. Totally curiosity I based. I didn't, I didn't yell you... and shout. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's rare that you see someone approach the streets with a soft touch. It's so rare. And uh, then to do it originally is just ah, the best. Yeah. Yeah. We have another question from Thomas, a viewer of ours from France. Let me play that. Yo, I'm Thomas, and I'm from France. And my question is, uh, I saw your photo shoot uh, based on the Greek god Hades, yeah. and I was wondering if you're planning on doing a spin-off show uh, based on this character, the same way that David Stone did a spin-off show based on a Clacanthos character that he created in a more of a, a darker tone. That's it. David Thanks, Stone. <laughs> David Stone was one of the first like DVD sets that I had gotten. Mm. Um, his like card to mouth and bottle work um, were were pretty influential to me early on, but I haven't seen the thing that you're talking about. I haven't seen 
what his project <clears> is, <throat> making a dark character. But that sounds awesome. You, yeah, you it's, dabble it's, uh, in male modeling, correct? Yeah. Um, that started, someone came up to me after a street show, um, which is one of the things I miss the most about street shows, is just having an open door to right. the world. To anything. You yeah. never know. Right. Yeah. Um, and so now I, I do a little bit of that in combination with working as a photographer. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I think uh, the, the character that uh, Thomas is referring to is when David Stone went on America's Got Talent, but as a, a character that had like a white uh, oh. thing over his head and uh, like he couldn't tell it was him. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Here it is. Uh, Cleric Entos. So this is the picture. So you didn't, you wouldn't have known it was him, but if you, if you watch that season, it's like, it's very much an eerie kind of feel. It's yeah. So weird. Why would David Stone cover up his beautiful face? <laughs> that doesn't yeah. make any sense. He's such a great performer too. What a, what a mistake. In my I, opinion. I guess it has something to do with, you know, cause he's an, he loves uh, doing acting and playing different characters. Seems like that's the opposite of that though, to cover yourself. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess, yeah, I mean, ha- had you thought of making a an actual character out of your Hades uh, inspired? So that look? was that was the first time I had done any kind of um, character play like that, um, and it was a lot of fun. I did enjoy it, but I hadn't considered. To me, they've they've been separate worlds. Um, I've been kind of on a hiatus from street shows since the pandemic, and really working on building up some skills just diversifying my skill set um and i'm just now getting competent enough at some of the newer things to be considering integrating them into Mm. some of what i had going but um very few people uh, i also became a real estate broker very few people in the real estate world or photography or modeling know that i was a magician um know that i had a performance career and so i I would like to You're not integrate. busting out the card tricks at the office uh, water cooler or anything. Not, not yet, but I have thought, like, the amount of people you get exposed to during a street show, if depending on the size of your show, the, to me, the math that plays out as far as, like, clicks per yeah. um, dollar, yeah. like, right. I feel like I've, I've got the formula right. I could be Combine the two? Yeah, I could be pitching my real estate and photography services yeah. to people. Yeah. Can, at the can end you imagine? I was going to say, can you imagine at the end of your massive circle show, you're like, by the way, uh, while I'm here on the street doing the show, if you need a house, I'm your guy. You always did a wonderful job of tying your social media into your pitch, and you just do that, right? And it sells itself, mm. right? Yeah. The, mm. the magician on a motorcycle thing, I was very much um, – the it was story centric it was very yep. narrative oriented so yep. my hat line would be telling people i'm in the middle of a cross country motorcycle trip right and this is what i'm doing with my 20s and the show that you just are in the middle of watching is how that happens so if you want to see the story and you like the show here's where you can get it love it that's beautiful yeah I feel like that would just be so amplified in this day and age, especially if you applied some of your skill sets to the reels and the shorter videos, give people with a you know shorter attention span a chance to 
catch your vibe. And I would, I would encourage you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I am planning on doing another trip or two um, in the next year or so, but the, you're right. The window where um, marketing and capitalization on unique experiences and content, um, you know, if I had been making stuff, had it as a priority while I was doing all these trips. I've highly considered just revisiting, like retracing some of the yeah. steps now right. that I can do drone videos and all that and mm -hmm. just make a better summary of that experience. Yep. Man, I'd watch that on Netflix. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, find someone to pitch it to. It's a great adventure. What yeah. are you doing? I'm going to get on this motorcycle and go somewhere <laughs> with my magic show. Yeah. Exactly. Draw thousands of people and they're going to pay me. A friend of mine named Pete Booth, um, he always said, he always thought that a great TV show would be about a busker trying to pay his way like around the world or, or you know, maybe around a country and, and documenting that he's literally paying his way around. And, you know, you've already done it. So you could literally, yeah, just document it the right yeah. way. And uh, yeah, you could be that guy 100%. Yeah, I started when I was 23. I'm now 33. So the window which yeah, I'm willing young. to do travel street performing, <laughs> it's still open, but it's a little Maybe you're in a nice van now. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would I would like a, a van with a um like a little dirt bike. Uh, a, it's a small super bike dangerous bike. when you have your life on a motorcycle, right? It's just yeah. insanely dangerous. It's yeah, heavy. It was... <laughs> it's a lot of stuff, right? Like you're not just traveling with a backpack. No, it's it's a good um, like having two people on it when it's fully loaded, like two extra people in addition to me. It's it teaches you how to be careful for sure. Yeah, right? Did you have, ever have anything like super hairy happen? Was there anything you ever thought was like life threatening? Um, uh, yeah, uh, there were two instances. The first one was on the very first trip. Um, I was going down the east side of the Sierra Nevada mountain range, just kind of in the desert. And my front tire blew out at about 65, just Ooh. popped. And that was my, oh my, God. my best um, slow-mo moment of my life where I like, registered what was happening, saw, oh, man, I might go down. And just immediately a thundering, like, I'm not going down and rode it out to, to stop. You manned um, it up, huh? Yeah, it, it, wow. it was a strong, um, I don't think it was my, uh, I don't remember saying it or thinking it, but the, the impression that I wasn't going to crash was very resounding. Um, and then the other time I did crash, <laughs> uh, oh. Oh, I was no. trying to outrun a storm in the Midwest and just kind of got cocky and thought I was further ahead of it than I was. And I was cruising along on a nice little country road. And um, it's like two in the afternoon. And then it just got dark, like in a 10 second ten time frame. It looked like it was now like oh, nine no. o'clock. And I was looking around. It's like, that's. And I just, it was like I had gotten hit by a vehicle. Whoa. It just suddenly like was at a. 45 degree angle headed towards the side of the road. Um, just a big and, wind gust, huh? Yeah. Just the, like a huge, a whole front. Coming. Wow. 
And um, fortunately, there was no trees or anything nearby. It was like a sloped road, and I was able to kick the bike, slow down to about 25, um, kick the bike out in front of me, and just kind of baseball slid down a road, down the hill. And um, at the by the time I landed and got up, it looked like I was in a scene from Twister. Like, it was just thunder, lightning, and grass going sideways. Not a good place to be when your vehicle's a motorcycle. Right. Yeah, it was just, it was just, sketchy. Just bear it, huh? Yeah. Look for a bridge. Is that what you do? You try to get to a bridge and hunker down. I don't know. I, I actually I tried to bail I, after trying to get the. It was in like a muddy field. Was what was at the bottom of this hill. Wow. And um, I couldn't get the bike up. I couldn't Ugh. get out, and I was panicking. Um, and so Jeez. I tried to go up to the road and catch a ride. And there, you know, there's a lot of traffic. And probably 30 or 40 cars went by and nobody stopped. And I was like, oh, God, I am on my own. Um, took about 20 breaths and then figured it out. Walked walked the bike like a half mile through the mud to a shorter slope where I could get it back to the road. And made it home. <laughs> So don't let that stop you, ladies and gentlemen, from busking. Uh, these yeah, are the stories that <laughs> these are in the real trenches. All right, let's let's go to a lighter question. This is from um, Scotty P, who's watching the show, and uh, I know he this morning went out to perform some magic at a community event, and uh, he said in advance he was already going, but he wanted to know this question in advance for it. But uh, listen to Scotty. What's going on, magic guys and girls? Scotty P, the mid-strength magician here, and I had a question for any one of the magic guys. Um, when performing magic for people out in public, which type of people do you tend to avoid? Which type of people do you tend to gravitate towards? And what line or lines do you use to initiate that conversation to start doing magic for them? Compelling question. Thanks, Scotty. So I think he's talking in the aspect of maybe street magic, but I think both can be true with, with busking as well. I mean, you just explained that you, you have your ring dropping technique to first get them, you know, the ears pricked up, but uh, have you have you adopted any other kind of techniques if you're just going up to people? Like, do you, did, do you ever do uh, like close-up gigs as well? Did you ever take yeah. gigs in the meantime of... Yeah, I did do some wandering. I started as a close-up magician um, in a hookah bar in Bellingham, mostly, um, the Cobra Lounge. And then they opened one in Seattle and Tacoma as well. And I did some work there. Um, and the nature of that versus street, for, for me, was couldn't be further apart. Uh, you're very much like coming into people's worlds as a close-up or roaming magician. And that was not as... That was difficult for me early on in the hookah bars. I had an excuse because I was also working there. Um, but it is challenging to approach. I, I still don't, you know, I'm out of practice with it now. But um, the the kind of main thing behind becoming a magician in street perform was just to become more socially capable. I, I was like kind of a cliche magician story where I was painfully shy um, very a lot of social anxiety and magic served as a vessel to overcome that. Um, but with close up and strolling, it's still difficult to do depending on the kind of event. I am very particular at the kind of events that I would go to now 
um, and be hired at for that reason. But with street, it's the ag- exact opposite as far as energy. Yeah, because flow. you're inviting them into your world yeah. as opposed to going to interrupt their world. I mean, you're interrupting yeah. their world, but it's their choice to come be interrupted as opposed to yeah, it's much hard free, free range. Excuse me, did you use did you use a black knife? Well, how about a white one? Yeah, well, I'm the wandering magician. Wandering, if you want to see some magic. Yeah, hey. that's, that's classic funny. Williamson. That's funny. Uh, all those things work, right? It's a different approach for everybody, I guess. If you're doing that, uh, yeah. I, I don't see too many guys using that approach on the street. I guess there's there's some some uh, wanderers, but generally they're not doing the ideal work, right? Like on the street, anyway. Yeah, close up as a strolling, you know, I've seen people doing that outside bars and stuff. And yeah, you got never my bag. Yeah, it's uh, it's all right, but it's not. I don't I don't think it's the it's the same problem as it is working the gigs. You got to interrupt the people. Yeah, it's just never fun. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I what, think what, this what's going a, to... Josh, what's what's some good advice for interrupting? Were you going to say that? What? Yeah, I was going to jump in. Yeah, so yeah. look, for me, yeah, my I mean, the classic line I'll go to by default if uh, if I just straight up have to just go into a, a circle of people who are talking is is the classic line of, uh, hey, guys, sorry to interrupt, but uh, it is my job tonight. How am I doing so far? And then that just yep. Yep. <laughs> creates this funny dynamic. And then, and then I say, but I'm also the magician. Can I magician you for a moment? And then uh, I'll ask them a question because these are always dinner events and cocktail events. I'll always open with like, so who's been drinking the most? And I'll make it about them. And then they'll start yeah. pointing like, ah, this yeah. person, this person. Right. I go, great. Let's, let's test that. And the, anyway, and then, so that goes into the set. I'm like, this is a sobriety test and becomes a whole thing. So a you're opening with a chuckle. You're getting the attention on probably the person who needs it at the time, making friends before you go in with the thumb tip or whatever you're doing. Yeah. You're not, you're not like, did you lose a white knife? How about a black one? Exactly. Yeah. You but it, it, if <laughs> all due respect to the workers. Yeah. If I'm out uh, doing street magic or trying to stop people like the, the, roving gigs that I would do at the casino in Cairns that we've talked about before, people are walking past and I'm trying to stop them. So what I would do is I would have a card palmed and as they're walking past, I stand, I kind of stop them. Like I'm trying to stop them from hurting themselves. And I kind of go, hang on just one second. And then I stamp my foot on the ground and then uh, do the whole thing of like passing from my foot to my hand and picking up the card. I go, okay, great. Now you're, now you're good to go. All right. And then they go, what just happened? And I'm right. like, oh, yeah. I'm the, the magician today. Can I? Yeah, I can see that magic? working wonderfully. Yeah. So when people are walking past, you kind of go, oh, sorry, one sec. And you just pick up the card uh, and in a magical way. That That's a good one. I, I like trying to just break the autopilot of people. Same thing with um, at a corporate event, I'll throw some flash paper. People will go, what the hell is that? And I'll be like, ah, sorry, just warming up. Would you like to see something? Yeah. And again, cheesy line, but it works. Uh, And then uh, for for Scotty specifically for asking that question, you know, the the bare minimum thing you could do is just go, hey, guys, I'm Scotty. I do magic as a hobby. I'd love to show you a card trick. That's probably like the the simplest way you can just go into it and, uh, you know, go from there. 
So hopefully that helps. Nico, curious as we were talking, like how how much qualification went into stopping your first people? Like when you decide to start a street show, this is kind of the, along the same topic. Would you wait for the right people, or would you just now let's go? Uh, I was very much a feel like go by feel kind of start. Um, and uh, on the days that I could afford to, on the days that it, I, um, <laughs> there's enough traffic flow and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to that effect, there were a lot of times in New Orleans where you were counting on the one group that's over there, the one group that's over there, right. and the one group that's over there happened to be intersecting. And yep. you need to take advantage of that time when there's 10 people well, within 20 feet of you. Yep, it doesn't yep. happen a lot. Um, but when you when it is busy and there's lots of people going around, um, they're on the street, you know, Jimmy in particular told me a handful of cues, people that have bags um, of souvenir type stuff, says that they've right. been shopping. If they've got mm -hmm. drinks in their hand, says that they're spending money. Um, the foot pace is a lot, like how fast they're walking. Um, and the, like, as far as quality, the, the kind of humor that I would use was sort of, um, almost veiled. I would use jokes and wordplay and puns that you wouldn't know you missed a joke if you didn't get it. Yep. And, um, the people that got it, I would make note of and like, okay, this is the kind of person that pays attention and is listening to what I'm saying, which is important when doing street shows in one of the most distracting places in the world. <laughs> you, you, and, and this is an interesting technique you used as well in one of the craziest places of the world. At one point in your draw, you close your eyes and avert your gaze from the audience as you invite them in closer to you. Is this something that you developed or how did this become part of your... I, I don't recall ever seeing anyone else use that kind of technique. Um, is it is it borrowed? And if it is, it's fine. Yeah. So it, part of why I was so happy to see him on the show the other day is Jimmy Toxlet is the first guy that found me on the corner when I was doing coin manipulations with the harmonica. Okay. okay. And said, you're not doing a show. Okay. Right. If you want to make it as a street performer, you need to do a show. Here's what a show looks like. Like you got to have structure and right. transitions and all that. And so he very much um, had developed a show and character that was very like bulletproof, bombproof. And that first pull up, he would not address people directly with his eyes. Um, it can right. be intimidating and it can force decisions. You can only look one person in yeah. the eye at right. a time. Um, so what I would rely on was um, leaders in the audience. And okay. once I had enough people stopped and did a, a few slights, I would bounce the ring a few times and then it would be on my finger. And I would say, like, you missed that because you can't see it. Everybody come up. And I would then just focus on the line. And all it takes is one person. If you've got 10 plus people with their feet stopped, all you need is that one person yeah. to trigger the landslide of it. I, I don't recall it ever failing. I imagine it did some days. You would oh, yeah. do, you'd look up and no one's budged, but yeah. it's like moths to the flame. Usually, you do this and they just all whoosh and make the circle. It's a beautiful moment. 
yeah, when it worked, it worked well. And, it always and, worked when and, I saw you do fast. it. But there definitely were times when I, fortunately, the, the that was kind of one of the nice things about it being a softer yeah, draw, it's not a which big, it didn't take too yeah. much from me. But anytime right. you invite 20 people to something and everybody says no, like <laughs> it's you got some work to do. Uh, it's you know, but yeah. it's a good thing. Like that's not the group that you wanted. It's yeah. better. It's better that they didn't come yeah. up. Yeah. Right. That's when yeah. you choose to <clears throat> end the show a little, little faster, maybe. Yeah, you just don't do it. I mean, that's not. Yeah. That's you know, what have yes. you done so far? Not much. Yeah, if one or two groups of one or two people come up, mm -hmm. I just tell them what just happened, which is like that didn't work. Um, I'm going <laughs> to do it again in like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. All right. Uh, question from Andy Massey. I think he's from the US as well. Uh, wrote into the Magic Guys. Thank you, Andy. Hey, uh, Magic Guys. I'm a 30-year-old aspiring uh, amateur magician. Uh, well, now I'm 34. Uh, Been doing it for just basically for three years. Just practicing. This is my child. This is what you get right now. Yeah. When did you guys make the leap from just making magic a hobby to doing it professionally? When and how did you make that choice? Ooh. Tough question. question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you've got two parts to that. One, when you did you decide to make it your hobby? And then two, when did you decide to make it uh, not your <laughs> profession and dive into these other creative things hey but in the beginning yeah was there a story to it that got you into it um got into magic no i think i think making that leap from now it's your career well now it's like funding yeah. your life I think. yeah um so that i had set a three month timeline to that when i went to new orleans it, it was kind of this right. crazy plan of um I would go down there and work construction um, for six weeks or so to save up enough money to and be doing some street performing during that time, um, but then be able to afford a month or two of just doing it, just street performing. And uh, having it bookended like that, it, it was very much like an experiment. Uh, I didn't decide, like, I'm now a street performer. This is what I do for a living. It was definitely good advice to have a. A, a bankroll. If you're going to transition from whatever you do into an entertainer position, I think the general rule of thumb is to have about a year's worth of money saved up to pay your bills while you're trying to see if you can make this happen. Uh, you were young and young, young and crazy when you. How old were you? Twenty? Uh, were you that old? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. When I, when I for like when I started on that experiment, I'd yeah. been doing magic for. Five years, maybe. Okay. So that. that's about what it should be to consider doing it for a living. I mean, you, sh mm. you shouldn't be doing it as a professional, much less than that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you would work these jobs, save up some cash, see how many. So, is that right? You would kind of see how many months you could keep busting yeah, for. Yeah. I was going to do it just it. for that time frame. For right, right, so that right. became part of my pitch was I'm now eight years into a three month experiment. Um, <laughs> but nice. I, I, every year that that pitch got a year longer. Yeah, <laughs> so, 
Um, so after those three months, I, it was starting to be summer in New Orleans. I went back to Washington and now kind of had an idea of what a street performance might look like, if a street performance that made some money might look like. And um, I still kept with another job. I was working at the hookah bar, the Cobra Lounge in Seattle and doing sidewalk shows at Pike Place um, down in Seattle. And that was, I guess, kind of my like, I don't know, you hear rock bands talking about living in basements and eating dog food. Um, I would do, I would work a hookah bar from 7 p.m. to 2, 3 a.m. and then sleep on the couches there and then wake up and go down to Pike Place and do street shows and then go back to did you ever cross line. paths with Tom Frank up there? Was he in your neighborhood? He was already time? out. I think he okay. was already out of Seattle by the time I had been down there, but he hadn't Where's been he? gone long. Like he had been there recently yeah. enough for people to ask me that, like when I was right. starting to do it. Um, yeah, he had a shop there for uh, for a while, and he street performed on a regular basis in Pike's Place. Is that what it is? Yeah, Pike Pike's Place. Place Mark. There's a guy we should get on here, Josh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom Frank. Me, Tom oh, Frank. Baby. That'd Let me be write a good it down. One. Yeah. Wow. Let me write it down. Yeah. Good stuff. Write that down. I think for me, similar to, I, um, I had a day job, but I would spend my weekends solely trying to get out there and perform wherever it was like a free event. I could just go there and, uh, you know, give out my business cards and stuff, like from the, the corporate magician angle was always I was always doing stuff either I was working you know a sales job and then going out at night or spending the night times like practicing the magic and uh, for me it was like a two-year process of once I started doing paid gigs it took like two years to to get enough gigs going regularly that and clients regularly that I could leave like the day job but uh, what about for you Doug did you ever have to have a I mean, M muggle job. So, I mean, no, right out of high school, I was hell bent on just, I was going to street perform. And uh, the school and my family were trying to get me to join the military. They're like, oh, damn. I mean, yeah, because, you know, they don't. World War One? Is that. Versus what? <laughs> Your kid's going to go be a street performer? No, no parent wants their child to go run off to the streets. Mm. But uh, I got lucky and I got a gig. I, I auditioned at Kings Island Amusement Park and I got hired through them. So right out, right out of the gate, I had a, uh, at least a, a ground to do some training for a few months and then, uh, hit the, hit the streets. I really worked magic shops for most of my life in, in doing that intermingled with gigs. That was a good transition for me to, towards a professional kind of established, uh, you know, existence. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, cool. I wouldn't recommend this job for anybody. That's the answer to your question. Yeah. We all just kind of end up here, right? Like I remember David Williamson, there's an interview on him and people ask him how oh, yeah. he got to where he is. And he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, I'm just, right. you know, That's somehow. Right, right, right. It's kind of yeah. how it is. You just kind of get in this flow of now you're in it and you get work and stuff. But you're like, how did I get to this point? Like you couldn't write it out. Couldn't map it out. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Another question. Let me uh, nice. hear I from other uh, questions. This yeah, same. Keeps the uh, momentum going. I love it. Hey guys, my name is Noah Cheney. I am from New South Wales, Australia. And my question for you today is 
What got your interest in magic the most? And what is your biggest inspiring moment you've had? Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Noah. Inspiring moment that got you into magic. Interesting. Well, for me, uh, I I wish I still had it, but, you know, it's so cliche, but I was given a magic set that came with a VHS tape. And I remember on there, I still remember some of the, the effects and they were doing like the Matrix, but with dice. And that was the first time I was like, wow, you can like palm a dice and you can like do this thing where it looks like they're going across. And I remember there was an effect where it looked like a playing card disappeared from a bowl of water and ended up underneath a cup folded up and it was wet. And uh, I remember the method was like the card that they pick up off the top of the deck with a cloth is actually like a perspex piece of card. So when they, when you drop it into the water bowl, you hear a card go in there, but when you take off the cloth, you can't see anything. And then you show that now it's traveled under this thing. And I remember watching all that and going, holy crap, that's like, that's insane. And I, and I only remembered one card trick from that set, but that was like the thing that really got me into wanting to show people it. And then, uh, yeah, and then at my 21st birthday, a professional magician named Petey Magic, who we've had on the podcast, was hired to perform. And, uh, and that was the first time I realized you could do magic as a career. And I was like, holy crap, this is insane. So, like, they were like the two pivotal moments for me, I reckon. But, uh, yeah, I hadn't seen much of, like, Copper- David Copperfield on TV or anything like that here in Australia. So, they were, um, yeah, I wish I, I and I bet... The DVD was like of someone I would know now, like we would know in the magic realm. But uh, it's gone. Hey, highlight me. Look at this. Look what I found at Fun Inc. This uh, last time I placed a Fun Inc. order. Bill Tarr's 101 Easy to Do Magic Tricks. This was my Ooh. first magic book ever. And I got it when I was like, look, Chinese sticks. I think I got this book, Linking Rings, is in there when I was eight or nine. So I had this book when I was eight or nine. I remember crafting some of these props for my, uh, for like my middle school talent competition. I still wow. do one of the ace assemblies that's in here. I still use one of the card tricks. Wow. That's about 40 years ago, 43 years ago. Is it that long? Holy crap. I'm old. <laughs> so this, there's an inspiration for me. And you know what? After reviewing this book, and it's the first time I've had it in my hands since I was a child, I think this is an important book. This is maybe one of the best beginner books available for like eight, bu- eight bucks on Amazon. I know the linking ring routine in here is killer. I use it professionally. Wow. If only for that. The magic square, paddle very Look at this book. It's so well illustrated. How can you not be inspired by something like this? Unless you don't read. <clears throat> yeah, you don't 101. Read well, whatever. You would think with 101 magic tricks, like that's your repertoire sorted. Like if you really took the time to dissect and, and learn everything. It's amazing stuff in this book. <laughs> and where is it available, Available, Doug? Well, I would buy it at Amazon for eight <laughs> bucks. That's what I would do. But I, I actually had them at Conjure.com, but I sold them all. I don't uh, even like selling books. I don't make money off the books. It costs me money to ship these things. Y'all quit buying books at Conjure.com. <laughs> <laughs> costing me money. 
Yeah. Stop. Stop supporting. No, I like to practice what I preach. I like the students to have access to these things, but it's costly. Yeah. Whatever. It is. It is books costly. Are, but books are where it's at. Yeah. What about you, Nico? What What got you? Like, is there a inspiring moment? Uh, yeah, the moment that I that kind of gave me the first traction, the first momentum and pull towards it was um, in college uh, as a freshman. Um, in high school, I was big in sports, and that was kind of my social identity. And then went off to college and didn't have any of that. And so I would sit through mm. like all the progress I had made socially had vanished. And so I would sit through these three month long classes and not have met anybody. Um, mm. And so I was in my dorm. I had one dorm mate and we were kind of just fucking around watching YouTube stuff. A random card trick thing popped up. I didn't think much of it. Um, but I was going back, I was in Ellensburg, Washington at the time, and I was going back over the mountains towards uh, my folks place. And sometime over that weekend, uh, I was clearing stuff off a like high bookshelf and pulled down a book that nobody in my family can tell me where it came from or who gave it to us. Um, but it was, but it was the Royal road to card magic. Wow. And (laughs) the sequencing of seeing, uh, it might have been like a this and that routine on YouTube. And then finding this book, um, I started flipping through the book, learned a handful more routines, came back that weekend and showed them to my roommate. And him shouting and yelling, what the F, people started coming in the dorm room. And I remember like <laughs> looking around suddenly and there's like 25 people that are excited and it kind of gave me a like, oh, this could be a thing that I um, can break back out of a social shell with. And uh, Well, you did that. That's, that's what happened, yeah. You were a chosen one. That's what happened. Magic chooses who it needs. We yeah, needed some you. little black hole popped that book yep. up there. But yep. uh, I'm glad it did. Yeah, thank you, whoever did that. Yeah. That's crazy. So, that's crazy. Yeah. Right, Jake. Jake of all spades, you're up, my friend. Let's listen to his uh, his question. If it wants to play, oh, Jake, maybe your question doesn't want to play on Instagram here. What is happening? Look, five out of six isn't bad. Those are good odds. That's true. Audio is always the problem, anyway. I Look, got I'm, it. Okay. I'm living proof of it. I'm on the Blue Yeti tonight. Sorry. <laughs> it happens. Here we go. Here we go. Audio question time. Hey guys, uh, my name is Jake. I'm a beginner magician from Chicago, and I would really love to know like, how you guys met and what made you decide to do the podcast, and what's the main thing that keeps you going? Oh, I think that's a Magic Guy-specific question. Uh, what, what keeps us going, Doug? Uh, that sweet dividend that you send me <laughs> once every six months, which I immediately reinvest into the pod. Yeah. So no, I, I mean I met Jason right on the on the TikToks and stuff, and mm. we started hanging out. You guys started doing a podcast. I started listening to the podcast because I dug it, and then you guys invited me on. And I never left, so that's how that happened. Yeah, and yeah. and we started it because Jason had just started doing the three six five challenge, and when Jason gets obsessed with something, he goes all in for 
like a hard and fast kind of goes all in. And he was like, bro, I'm going, I'm doing these videos every day. I'm getting all this traction. We need to do more stuff. He's like, let's do a podcast. I'm like, at the time I was like, ah, magic podcast. I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, ah, let's just do it. And so (laughs) we started it and it was fun. And then, uh, yeah, he jumped off the 365 bandwagon, which is fine. And then was like, do we keep doing the podcast? I'm like, ah. And I have this thing in my soul where I just can't stop something just because it's like getting difficult. I like will make myself do it, which can be bad sometimes, but other times it really helps. And so we were like, let's just keep doing the podcast. And then there's an episode where I first hear about Doug. Like there's one of the early episodes, Jason is like, have you seen this guy, Doug Con? And I say something like, oh, what, what, is he another guy like trying to be like a uh, Sean does magic kind of thing? He's like, no, no, you really like his magic. It's like really good actual magic. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then, yeah, we Doug came on and like you said, the rest is history. He's never left. And so now what I, it is, it's, it's just fun. Like catching That's what up. I was going to say. I but, just do this for fun. That's all. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, to hang out and chat with my buddies and yeah, see and old it, friends. Ha! Exactly. And it's just fun meeting new people on there. And uh, and lately, it's been really cool getting messages from people through the Instagram saying like, hey, thanks for doing this podcast. Thanks for, you know, putting out this content. So that's been awesome. As it's, we uh, get these questions, it's this lets me now know that we're making a difference because we can answer, you know, and give feedback to people who need information and get it through other professionals like Nico. They're here. I think we're giving a a service, not just having a good time. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think we have, I was just going to say, it's nice when you can hit multiple, multiple buttons like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Plus is how I get my chicks. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. One uh, fun last question from Dylan here. uh, And then we can, uh, we can wrap up in our own, our own way, but uh, Dylan, take us home, buddy. If you're tied up and about to get pushed off a cliff by a tribe, but the only way you could survive is impressing with a magic trick, which trick would you do? Thanks, Dylan. So let me just recap for anyone who didn't understand his Aussie accent there. <laughs> if you're being tied up by a tribe and being about to be pushed off a ledge, but you can show them one magic trick first to maybe get you out of that situation, what would it be? Appearing money? I don't know. <laughs> the rope escape effect? Uh, color changing knives, easy. perhaps? Yeah. What is it? S- sponge bunnies. Sp- that You know what? That's that's probably the right answer. I like it. Uh, well, but Nico... You have an answer, Nico? Do you have an answer for this? Uh, you got to save yourself. The tribe the circum- is coming for you. The circumstances are so peculiar that... You know, it makes me wonder what I what am I going to have on me? But uh, for a rope situation, I would probably do some kind of rope effect. Um, a professor's nightmare or something along those That's lines. Using, just, to, yeah. just to show them, like, you can tie me up. It's not going to do any good. That's the organic magic coming out in you, I think. What's around me? Nice. You might even have some egg shakers in your socks. You can, you know, mix in a little ambience in there. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> how random. How random. Because, but, like, I'm know. just going to dive off the cliff. Yeah. The, the question is the question is funny, but it does remind me of a situation that my buddy Zach and um, Perry got in in Mexico when they were teenagers, where they got out of a mugging. They were getting mugged and started doing magic tricks, and by the end of it, they were taking selfies with them. Wow! So, wow! Wow! Yeah, it's what a great, it's a good story. <clears throat> yeah, all right. The great diffuser. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, I've there seen you go. I've seen videos of magicians getting out of speeding tickets. Stephen Brundage went viral doing the Rubik's cube for a cop. Got out of a speeding ticket with, with the trick. Mm. Wow! Mm. Wow! I mean, I've seen our friend Brennan Dooley, who's who's in the chat. He has gotten so many free things from going. Like we went bowling and he's like, Hey, before we pay, uh, if I can show you something amazing, um, no, what is he like? He doesn't say, can we have it for free? But he's like, let me show you something amazing. And then you can decide like what that's worth. I think that's what he says. And he's gotten so many things for free. Like we got free drinks, we got upgrades to bowling. And that was just like the one night we hung out. So there is definitely a power in that, in that aspect too. Um, yeah. Hey, for, for everyone who left audio questions, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna, So I said uh, we'd give out a magic hoodie to the best one. So I think we'll save the time on the podcast and we'll announce it in the stories of who is going to win that. So, um, But Nico, what's coming up for you, man? So at the moment, you're on a, a break from busking in your shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's, uh, when can the world expect to see some more stuff from, from, from yourself? As far as um, performances, uh, my next the, the next time I'll be doing street shows, I would imagine would be in October, um, either October or, or early spring down in New Orleans. I would like to go back and take some of my video production and photo gear and um, make some content of the street shows uh, of both mine and others, um, maybe produce some reels for people that they can then mm. some promo reels and such and take what I've been learning in my time off and bring it back to my performer friends. Um, so, but other than that, I, I would like to build a different show, have a show that has magic in it, but is mostly a, um, kind of variety show circus and music. Um, kind of rhythmic, rhythmic visuals. Um, but that you're gonna blow is, out uh, the square, aren't you? You're gonna blow out the square, aren't you? Break dance it down here. I can tell. I don't know. Gonna, the I storm know is coming. I look forward go, to seeing it. Go that full route, but I'd like it to be something I could also take indoors and do at like uh, a okay. fringe fringe festival. Yeah. So make it cool. Make it like a forty five hour long performance i could tour with cool i love that all of nico's uh socials are in the description below his facebook instagram youtube so hopefully we start seeing that content that you're capturing pop up on there but uh bro thanks so much for coming on uh the magic guys so many so many different friends told me like oh i love this guy and so i'm glad we could finally meet and uh yeah, we can have a little uh, beatboxing session another time. <laughs> <Off> yeah, <there. laughs> do some beatboxes and handstands. Why did we not beatbox? 
I know. All right, Nico, can you give us a little something just to take us out of the uh, of the podcast? Uh, yeah, let me. It's going down. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a harmonica in here somewhere. Nice. All right, I got no idea what to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs>